I couldn't help but thinking, think of this scripture in Joel chapter 2. It says that, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and on all of my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We're living in those days. <laughs> These are the days of the rain falling from heaven. These are the days of the reign of the King upon the earth. And this morning as we move toward um, a recommitment of our lives and surrender of our hearts to the King through the celebration of communion and further into worship, I want to share if I may, a little bit more from Jesus' words found uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And we come to that text in Matthew chapter 5. Um, if you would take your Bible and turn there, we'll spend just a few minutes looking at a couple of texts uh, where Jesus says to the crowd that was gathered on the hill, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. And we'll read that text in just a moment, beginning in verse 17. Uh, but I want to go back and just share, for I know that there are many of you who probably were not here the last couple of weeks, and it's always good to be redundant, because if you're like me, I need to hear things a few times. But if we're going to understand the Sermon on the Mount, and it in fact has been problematic, uh, meaning it has been interpreted um, differently uh, throughout uh, the centuries, but the interpretive key, the lens, if you will, through which we can best understand the Sermon on the Mount is really found in Matthew 4, uh, verse 17 and following, and we looked at it last week. And there, Jesus essentially to the crowd uh, said to them that the kingdom life in the kingdom is through reliance upon Jesus and his life alone now the way he said that in this text of Matthew 4 17 uh, he said change your mind and in changing your mind he was indicating that God was giving now through his reign and through his rule, the capacity for men and women to actually cooperate with the king such that their minds, their hearts, and the very fabric of the governance of who they are could be radically transformed. Now, if you don't understand that interpretive key, you're not going to understand what follows in the Sermon um, on the Mount. Change your mind, repent for the kingdom the rule of God is now available to every person. The poor, the oppressed, the tread upon, the down, the out, the least likely to succeed through the vote in the eyes of men or women. God said now through Jesus, the kingdom is now for you, among you. And the blessing then we went on and we saw the blessing was to ordinary people 
ordinary people like the plumbers and the CPAs and the CNAs and the nurses and doctors and the, everybody on all spectrums of life, the, the kingdom is now available and it's available to ordinary people. That's good news for me. Because I don't know about you, but I'm about as ordinary as they get. And Jesus came to ordinary people and he invited them into the greatest gift that any human being could ever experience and that is to the transforming power of living your life um, in the midst of and under the rule of a king who is radically uh, for you and loves you. And that was a transforming moment for everyone that he spoke to. Uh, so this morning, let me read to you our text, and it's in fact a transitional text, moving into what is the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's an, it's an interpretive um, text because the question is, who really has this kingdom heart? If it's available to everybody and if it's for ordinary people, then Jesus begins to ask the question, who, has, who really has a transformed meaning a kingdom heart and so let me read beginning at verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5 if you have your Bible feel free to follow along I'm reading from the New King James and Jesus said do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets I did not come to destroy but I came to fulfill them for assuredly I say to you till heaven and earth pass away one stroke one jot or one tittle one little line of the Hebrew letter will in no way pass from the law until all is fulfilled verse 19 then Jesus says whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does them and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven and then this text which is somewhat what difficult or problematic he says for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees you will in no way or by no means enter the kingdom of heaven well, it's, the question then is who really has a kingdom heart? And it would appear that Jesus is looking at the crowd, the invitation to come and come under the love and rule of God, but he's contrasting that to people who had not received a kingdom heart. And therefore, the contrast, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees you're not even going to enter into the kingdom of heaven so these are transitional texts which actually set up what follows and what follows is what does having a kingdom heart really look like and this has been the most profound study if you will take the Sermon on the Mound and just read it daily it's three chapters Matthew 5 6 and 7 read it not just read it, but read it slowly. Read it with the question of, God, how does this apply to me? What do you want to say to me by your Spirit through this Word? 
And men and women who have done that throughout the ages, who have sat and read and contemplated and journaled their thoughts in the presence of God, have found that God actually accomplishes what he said he would do. He literally gives a new heart to those people. So these transitional verses then lead into what follows, and let me just... What is this kingdom heart? Well, I put it this way. The kingdom heart is one that has fully, is a heart that has fully yielded to Jesus' lordship. Now, kingdom of God, rule of God, is another way of saying uh, lordship of God, where God is Lord, where Jesus is the Lord of life. So the kingdom heart is a heart that has fully yielded to Jesus' lordship and is fully enveloped by uh, and led by the Spirit of God. We read, not intentionally, but we just read in Joel chapter 2 that he would pour out, the images pour out his Spirit on all flesh. So in these days, God is pouring out His Spirit, and as the Spirit is poured out into the heart, it is transformational, and it actually changes people. It doesn't make them religious. It makes them changed. And that's the issue of, of the domain of God, the kingdom of God, where the king begins to come into a person's life and change things around so that it's no longer about me. You know what I mean? Life's always been about me. How I feel and what I think and who should do what I... I mean, I control people and that's exactly where Jesus begins to move into in the next week. We'll start looking at that. How we secure our positions because of not having a fully developed kingdom heart. So the kingdom heart is one that's fully yielded to the lordship of Jesus. Now contrasted to that... Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees manipulated by virtue of the law of Moses. These were the scribes who understood the content and information of the law. And the Pharisees were, were those who sort of carried it out and they loved to be seen by people. So the scribes and the Pharisees but they manipulated the law and they used it for their own advantage. By it, they dominated and they oppressed people. The people that Jesus was speaking to, the crowds, the multitudes, the poor, the, the, the oppressed, the, the little people, the real people, the ordinary people. And contrasted to them, where Jesus invited them into the reign and the rule and the kingdom of God, he contrasted their hearts by coming under the lordship of Christ to those who simply wanted to put on airs. So the scribes and the Pharisees then dominated and oppressed people, whereas Jesus, we just read in verses 17 and 18, came to fulfill every stroke of the law. And in fact, he said every stroke would in fact be fulfilled because Jesus, Jesus is the only one who can fulfill the law. The scribes and Pharisees thought that they could fulfill it by doing it. But they did a portion of it, but as you will see in just a moment, their heart was far from actually living out the spirit of the law. 
So how did the scribes and the Pharisees then, who were the keepers of the law? How is it that they then actually broke the law? See, that's what Jesus was talking about. Well, let's look at a... They did not have a heart that was submitted fully to the king. Now, we'll see that here in just a minute, and that's what the kingdom heart is. Remember, Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount by preaching and by teaching good news that the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. The good news. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees carried with them a whole bag of bad news. Don't do this and don't do that. You better do this and don't walk more than six steps on the Sabbath. And it was just a burden that no one could actually bear. So Jesus came preaching then the rule in the reign of God and he invited everyone into God's rule and into his reign. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees contrasted to living under the rule of Jesus from their heart. They actually chose religion overrule they chose law over lordship they chose man's way over God's way to summarize it they chose an exterior veneer of religiosity but no internal reality and because of that Jesus ripped them up the kingdom of God is first and foremost, beloved, about bringing one's heart under the very rule and the reign of God. Now in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and following, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when's the kingdom going to come? And he's, his answer was, and you can read the full explanation from these texts if you want to. Jesus said, the kingdom is not coming with outward signs. It's not going to be established in a place. What he said is that the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is literally in you. God is establishing a kingship, a rule, a domain in the hearts of people, and that will eventually lead to something that's bigger than you could ever imagine, but it starts there. The kingdom of God indeed will come but it's a kingdom of God that is within uh, people you see Jesus actually put his finger on their problem they were all about show and not allowing God to really rule in their hearts see that's the point of what Jesus is doing here he's teaching the people what it looks like to have a kingdom of heart and now he begins to contrast what it looks like to be religious and not have a kingdom heart did you know that you can be religious and not have a kingdom heart a heart that is really surrendered and submitted and yielded deeply to the king of the universe? The church in America may be filled with lots of those kinds of people. And you begin to see it and you can begin to sense it even in yourself when you see sometimes we feel so out of control and people drive us actually mad at times. They make us crazy and this stuff comes out of us. And when that comes out of us, that is the prime opportunity to say, God, this is a place where you're not ruling and reigning in my life. Would you transform it by the working of your spirit? 
And beloved, he does. So he put his finger on the scribes and the Pharisees and their problem that they were not allowing the rule and the reign of God in their hearts. Now we come to Matthew chapter 23, a sort of sidebar text from Matthew chapter 5. And he said that the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now what's that mean? They were sitting in the lineage of Moses. Moses was the giver of the law. Uh, sort of encapsulated by our understanding of the Ten Commandments. But really there were some 623 some odd laws and they put themselves in Moses' seat to try to keep all of those laws and make sure everybody else did too. So they sit in Moses' seat, but Jesus said, but all their works they do in order to be seen by men. Oh. That's not good news, is it? And it goes on and it said they make their phylacteries wide. That's those, those, those colored um, vestments that come around the robes and the long edges of their robes flowing. And they did this in order to be seen by men as religious. And Jesus said it's not about the externals. It's really about the condition of the heart. Jesus always goes to the heart. Jesus is about your heart. So the lesson then that we could, as we read through Matthew chapter 23, we come to this lesson from the dishwasher. Uh, and it basically says this. Jesus, again, is sort of talking about the juxtaposition, the contrast between having a kingdom heart and those who are just walking through the appearances. And he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you play actors! You hypocrites! Because you, why are they play actors or hypocrites? For you cleanse the outside of the cup, but the inside is full of unrighteousness and criminality. Play actors. Cynthia and I just went to a play this early part of the weekend. Kiss Me Kate, down at Thalian. From the Taming of the Shrew for a Shakespeare play. It was very, actually very well done. But every person on that stage was playing a part. They were in character. They were attempting to play a character who really wasn't who they were. That's what Jesus is saying to the scribes and to the Pharisees. You're playing a role. And God's not interested in you just playing a role for a season. God is interested in, in transforming your heart, giving you a new nature, living his life through you, so that the whole world can be, begin to marvel and see your good works and, and come to a good opinion of who your father is. But you'd rather play a role, he said to them. So he went on and he said, You blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup, and the outside will become clean as well. Did you, can you imagine? Now, I wash dishes sometimes, and uh, we have a dishwasher, I know. Her name is, no, we have a dishwasher. <laughs> and, but can you imagine a dirty cup inside and out, and putting it under the water, and, and, and just washing the outside of the cup and putting the cup down to drain, but turning it over and seeing all of this 
um, dried coffee grounds, for example. Well, Jesus was saying, well, now look, you, you can spend all the time cleaning the outside, but if you actually would just spend the time, meaning allow the lordship of Jesus to transform the inside of the cup, if you're washing the inside of the cup and rinsing it out, guess what's going to happen to the outside of the cup? It's going to become clean, at least far cleaner than the cup would be if you simply spent your time on the outside and ignored the inside. So Jesus was turning the tables on them and he was simply saying that, that they were blind because they spent their time looking at the outside instead of the inside. What are you looking at this morning in your life? Those are the kind of questions that Jesus was speaking to in a homespun uh, kind of way that everybody could understand. The lesson from the dishwasher is make the priority what is on the inside and everything else will take care of itself. It's the effortless walking in the kingdom of God because you're not trying to be conformed and rigid and religious or legalistic you're letting the Spirit of God that one who was prophesied that in the last days I'll pour him out and when he comes he will begin to create such an internal transformation of the heart that's the result in the work of the King that all you need to do is stay surrendered and under his rule and under his reign so we have another lesson and this is what I call the lesson of from the farmer and that's found in Luke chapter 6 the lesson from the dishwasher is look at the inside. The outside will take care of itself. And the lesson from the farmer here in Luke 6, 44 says, Every tree is known by its fruit. Now a good man, what that means is the man or the woman who has had their hearts transformed, who has a kingdom heart in other words. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good. And in fact, uh, Jesus is... Uh, um, I guess brother James said, you know, you, you, you can't have um, a, you can't get blackberries from a tomato plant. You, you know, if you understand the kind of plant that you are, the kind of heart that you have, and the Spirit of God will actually produce the fruit of that life in the midst of that heart. So the point when God rules then in the heart, the Holy Spirit produces naturally the fruit of His presence. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is love and joy and peace, patience and self-control. All of those things that we seek after and want in our lives and think we can make it happen from the outside and we tire, get tired out because we can't, it's simply breathing and let the Spirit of God live in you and work through you to produce His fruitfulness in your life. So the scribes and the Pharisees tried to secure themselves. It's kind of moving toward conclusion here. They tried to secure themselves or their position by externals, taking care of the outside of the cup. Uh, but we exceed their righteousness by the kingdom ruling in the inner dimensions of our heart. It's not by trying to keep more laws than the scribes kept or the Pharisees kept. Nobody can do that. But we think in our religious, in our humanness, that if we just did more than they did, somehow we'd be more righteous. Guess what? Jesus has already made you righteous. 
By faith, a man or a woman is righteous. Now what Jesus is doing is he's taking that notion of the king and his rule producing life and righteousness in us, and he's saying, now just keep your eyes on that, on him. And he's going to take care of the outside of the cup. He's going to bear the fruit that he wants to bear. It can be a whole lot less uh, effort to let him produce what he wants to produce in your life if you simply cooperate with him. Now, communion, as we come to the celebration of communion, I want to just say a couple of things about it. It's a time that we can ask Jesus what's really going on in our hearts. You really can know if you want to know. Or you can live in denial if you want to live there. But if a person opens their heart and asks God and evaluates Jesus' rule, you can know a couple of things. is that What's the condition of your heart? And secondly, what are the idols? Those are the things that we worship. What are the idols that are keeping the kingdom of God, the rule of God, out of your life? Thirdly, what fears assert more influence in your life than Jesus does? These are just reflective questions that can help us move forward in understanding the domain, the reign, and the rule of God. What part of your heart do you need to bring to Jesus this morning as you take from Him everything that he gave for you. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. See, as a people upon the earth right now, God's kingdom is present and he is extending his rule, but he's doing it one heart at a time, one person at a time. Remember, Jesus fulfilled the law for you. Jesus paid it all for you. Jesus invites you into his reign and into his rule. And Jesus is always enough. Let's pray. I've asked Sarah Northup to lead us in some worship as we prepare our hearts and as we come to celebrate the feast that Jesus has prepared uh, for us. Father, thank you for giving us uh, your word and for showing us that it's not about us, it's really about you. And so, Lord, cause us not to hurry through this time, but cause us to come with deliberation, with full understanding of who you are and for what you have done for us on the night in which Jesus was betrayed he took bread and having given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you as often as you eat this bread do this in remembrance of me 
body of Jesus was sufficient, the sacrifice of Jesus was enough. It's enough for you, it's enough for your need, it's enough for your family, it's enough for Him to display His rule through you and, and with you. Likewise, Jesus, after He had eaten with His disciples, He took the cup and He poured it out and He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's been poured out for you. Do this likewise in remembrance of me. We're going to come forward this morning and receive the elements. What I'd like for you to do is to just, in an unhurried fashion, come down the center aisle and we'll make two lines around each table. This is not a perfunctory rite of religious people. You know that. It's a time where Jesus said, come with thoughtfulness, engaging in what I've done for you, and take this little piece of bread or how big a piece you like and eat it, consume it, remembering that that's my body. It was given for you. And as you drink this cup, remember that's my blood. And that is what makes a people righteous, the body and the blood of Jesus. Today, whatever you're struggling with, it makes no difference. Whatever your idols are, they can fall at the foot of the cross as you come with hearts fully surrendered to the King and saying, God, I want to start today fresh. I see that in some ways I have been a Pharisee. I've been a scribe. I've been this or I've been that. But God, today I want to begin afresh with surrendering all that I am to all that you are. And beloved, when a man or a woman does that with realness and genuineness and transparency, the Spirit of God always transforms that heart. As you come, I'm going to ask that some of you may feel free that you want to linger up here out of the traffic flow. Feel free to do that. You might want to kneel on the steps if you have business to be done with Jesus, your King and lover. Take some time and do that. Consume the elements up here if you would and take what time that you need. But let's celebrate remembering that Jesus paid it all. Father, as we come now this morning, remembering the body and the blood of Jesus, thank you that you gave it all for us so that we in return might give back to you all that we are and represent you not only in the church but in our families not only in our families but in our neighborhoods in the world in which we live God as we come and drink and eat life unto ourselves send us forth as broken loaves and poured out blood for those around us. Transform our hearts afresh this day, O oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus. If those in the balcony would come at this time, we'll give them a jump start. The rest of you can sort of sit quietly as they begin to come and filter in both directions. Again, two lines around each of these tables. 
this is body life. It's okay to love on somebody while you're standing in line. It's okay to pray for each other. I love you, Fred. It's okay to pray for each other. It's okay just to... God is doing something fresh in our midst. Let's enjoy His presence as we come and partake of the most sacred and solemn feast that He's given to us, by which He says, All that I am is now for all that you are. These tables are now open. You may come if you're ready. We're going to worship. Feel free to continue to worship and come uh, as this first group. Come on, Beth. Lead the charge here, beloved. These tables are now open. God bless you. How deep the Father's love. Get my stuff. Can I do real bread or real bread? How vast beyond all
and spouses and uh, staff team and their spouses if you'd make your way up here and we'd love to pray for you before you slip out should that be a need that you have maybe you're here today and have never really said you know i've never sealed the deal with jesus today'd be a wonderful day last week we had a couple of people who did just that and the invitation is from jesus come just like you are father would you bless your people today thank you that you have thank you that you do thank you that you always will lord would you make your face to radiantly shine upon each one of them would you give them your peace god the peace that comes from knowing you jesus the prince the king of peace reigning and ruling in our hearts when we walk by the way when we lie down rise up may we live only for the praise of your glory and everybody said together amen if you'd like special prayer would you come we'll continue just to worship in an atmosphere the presence of the lord is in our midst god bless you and have a wonderful day today in jesus